let's go. Hello, I'm Alex. I'm the host. Today, I have another a returning guest on. Uh, mi amigo, Alec. Say hello. Introduce yourself. Cowabunga! <laughs> Cowabunga, dude! <laughs> and before we get to the conversation, let me just remind you that if any of you are curious, you can go to being fed up github.io and that is the website with um, a rundown of the information on this podcast it's got an episode list it has an email to contact me at as well as just some general background information so without further ado alec how have you been good a little overheated but good it's been a pretty lackadaisical week i feel that now that now that it's uh it's summer again feels wonderful oh i know it, i mean it's felt like summer for like the past two months i guess <laughs> i've been home but mm-hmm. the weather has not been cooperating here it's usually super cloudy every day and we've had like actual nice weather the last two days and now i've complained because it's too hot sure. so i feel like kind of a <laughs> a biatch Mm-hmm. Now that like you you were com- see this is like there's like a dilemma I always have with the weather. The weather is never good. It's it's always like ah, it's too cold or it's too hot. I can't wait for it to be cold. I can't wait for it to be hot. And it's just never right unless it's that perfect like like sixty to like low seventies, right amount of humidity, maybe a slight breeze, not too much. Whenever it's outside of that range, the weather is just basically shit. I completely agree. 60 to 70 is a perfect range. I would say 70s is like even a little too high for me. I would say 60s or high 50s. Yeah, I, well, that's why I capped it at like low 70s. I think 50s can be a little chilly sometimes. Yeah, it's it's dicey. If it's not sunny and it's in the 50s, it's a little a little too chilly. But sun, a slight breeze, as you say, you should go into weather. I should go into weather. I don't think I should go into the weather. I think uh, I think that would be not a great profession. I don't want to say boring, but it's not for me. I could never be a uh, Tom Skilling. He lost weight. Did he? Used he? To be, like super really? chunky. Yeah. I gotta look. He this lost up. a ton of weight. Oh, burn my. I, I don't. Rem- I haven't seen what he looks like now, but I know he lost weight. Really? I'm looking up Tom Skilling skinny. I am also looking. I didn't look up Tom Skilling skinny. I just looked up Tom Skilling. Holy crap, he did. Yeah, Whoa. He really he's not like he's down. not like a small dude, but he's not like <laughs> bulbous anymore. Well, he's looking, I know. He's looking he good. He's like a bowling ball. <laughs> dude, old pictures of him look really funny too. <laughs> I've never described somebody as a bowling ball, but oh, I get where you're, I get where you're coming ball. from, especially with like the shaved head and everything. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So, when I think of you, I think of, like... Whoa. Whoa, how often do you think of me? (laughs) Constantly. But no, when I I think of you, or when I think of younger Alec, I feel like you used to be that kid who was really into, like, military stuff. You still kind of are to an extent, right? What do you mean military? Like, like, for example, you play Hearts of Iron 4, right? You think, like, military history is kind of cool, right? Yes, that's correct. Like, when you, like... Your dog is literally named Sarge. 
you when you were younger you loved watching like Rambo like war movies you like you're like into military stuff you're not like a boot but like you're into military stuff to oh, some I capacity could never be a boot. but but like you're into military stuff in some capacity right yeah like you why? think it's why did, where, where did this come from well you're familiar with tom clancy right yeah tim clunky yeah well no ah uh, yeah but the <laughs> yeah the guy who writes all the uh like military and like like espionage-esque like books that kind yeah. of dude. yeah okay so there is a one of the books got turned into a show right okay oh is it's, that the one with uh john krasinski yeah with jim from the office <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah i've never seen that show it's jack ryan it's on uh, amazon prime okay I uh, I watched the first season when it came out on uh, Prime. Apparently, it came out in 2018, and so I went and I the new season came out in 2019, but I just never got around to it. So now that like I have the free time of like quarantine and stuff, I I've been slowly getting around and I've been watching it. And I I realized something interesting about this show. So yeah. this season, not to spoil anything, although it came out over a year ago, I think takes place in a heavily in venezuela okay okay now have you seen narcos on netflix i've watched like isolated episodes but i've never sat down and watched the whole thing no essentially this show is just a hodgepodge of of actors from like other famous things but they're not like the biggest name actors it has a substantial part of the narcos cast in it okay. and basically the exact same roles right yeah and i thought that was really funny and then it has some people from game of thrones in it as well as a character from the, the robert downey jr sherlock holmes movies wait who <laughs> uh gypsy woman who they meet oh, in, in the france one? yeah in a game of shadows oh my god what <laughs> is her role it's it, I'm not going to spoil anything. It's oh, But it's on. this, like, weird hodgepodge of people. It's, like, because there's these people who are, like, Venezuelan, and they just played, like, Colombians and narcos, and it's, like, a bunch of them. And then and then now it's, like, people from, like, Sherlock Holmes. And it's, I don't know, it's, like, a weird mix because they're all, like, sort of famous in the sense that I remember them and, like, kind of know them. And they've had some maybe big roles now and then, but they're not, like big name actors other than really john krasinski it's kind of hard to like separate a certain amount of actors from like a specific role that they've had like i feel like john krasinski's exactly, a really good example exactly. of that. like i could never sit down and watch this show and like take him seriously if he's in like a gunfight or like some serious like briefing I would just like wait for him to like stare at <laughs> the camera and say something <laughs> Do like the fade and just yeah. like stare down the camera with yeah, this like bowl like cut or whatever he used to have. Oh. <laughs> but yeah, I've never seen this. Is it good? So, I liked season one. I think a lot more than I liked season two. My big issue is just it. It does a lot of like the stereotypical like military like espionage esque stuff that all is like super unrealistic and kind of bothers me. <laughs> but. Uh, but I can sort of justify it because at the same time, Tom Clancy did kind of come up with a lot of that stuff. And then it became like more commonplace and other stuff as a result of him. But it just took a long time for the show to be made, you know? Yeah. 
it's like he wrote these books in like the 50s and like 60s and 70s and stuff when all a lot of the like common things like in the franchise or like cliches weren't necessarily around and i mean he made a lot of them up okay. basically Tom I would Clancy was never in like the military or anything, was he? He was just like a guy who was into the military, I guess. Uh, I don't know. Because Here, whenever uh, I hear like Tom Clancy, I think, oh, this is probably like some super badass guy that used to be in the military. And it's like, oh, I'm going to write books. Okay. Uh, I am on his Wikipedia page. Okay. He is an American novelist best known for his technically detailed espionage and military science storylines set during and after the Cold War. Da, da, da. Uh, oh, he wrote The Hunt for Red October? Dang. I didn't know that. Yeah, I am surprised from that. He also went to... He was in the... Okay, let's see. So he was in the Army Reserve officers training corps but he was ineligible to serve he worked for an insurance company in uh, maryland no he was never like really in the military all right that's kind of interesting then because usually people who like well i i don't know if this is true but this is like the thing that i have in my mind usually people who write like military novels or like dramatizations of military are either in the military and like retired or had some like terrible catastrophe or are like related to military no i mean that that makes sense i mean you you write what you know yeah so the fact that this guy was just like oh yeah i was in the reserves and i'm an Mm -hmm. insurance agent she's like oh i'm gonna write all these books about spies and military that's kind of weird but good for him because he made some really good stuff yeah, no, I mean, I agree. I've enjoyed I've enjoyed the show and a uh, good amount of other stuff. Wow, man, this dude has a long Wikipedia page. I just got on it right now. Yeah, would not recommend trying to read through it. It's very dry, not to be disrespectful of uh, the dead. <laughs> oh, he's dead? Yeah, he died a little while ago. I think, I like, 2015. Maybe twenty six. Oh, here it's on his Wikipedia page. Twenty thirteen. Mm. Oh, that's longer than I thought. Wow. Heart failure. Did you know, well, heart speaking failure of other one... military shows. Oh, yeah. I don't know. I told you to watch this a while ago. I don't know if you ever did. Did you ever watch Hunters on Amazon Prime? No, I haven't gotten around to it yet. Okay, because that's another. Well, I don't know about really good i thought it was really good it's kind of mm-hmm. cheesy though like it's it, it yeah. a lot of what that's that's my issue with some of the tom clancy stuff it's just it's so cheesy like it's you know all these characters they've been like a lot of them have been like divorced multiple times and like oh you don't know like what i've seen what i've done <laughs> all this stuff it's like oh there's like those like spies thrown in every now and then or like espionage agents and they're like they're more realistic than a lot of portrayals uh-huh. But to some extent, they are they do do like some superhuman things, and it's like ah, uh, well, this isn't you know super believable. Sorry, go on though. I didn't mean to cut you off. Go on. Well, no, now that reminds me of something. Whenever I'm watching like a movie about the military or just like a show where there's like shooting involved, the everyone's aim in these movies is so obnoxiously bad if you have any sort of plot armor. Like, you'll see scenes where, like, 
20 people get mowed down and then there's one guy left in like this giant area and there's a bunch of people shooting at him and no one hits him at all and he's just like running in a straight line it's like star wars yeah it's like the how, star how there's there's like you're massively outnumbered and in reality you would never win just because <laughs> something would hit you but they somehow exactly. miraculously miss like every single freaking shot because i can think uh, of so many times i'm watching where i was like oh well he would have got mm-hmm. shot there. He would have got shot there. He would have got oh, blown yeah, up right sure, there. Oh, yeah, for sure. And the episode would be over in, like, two minutes. <laughs> you made – you hello, uh, do you want to hear a neat tidbit? Because you're talking about basically people having, like, plot armor or being invincible in action movies. Yeah. Did you know that um, the more Tom Cruise runs in a movie, typically the better it does in box office? <laughs> no, I'm not kidding you. <laughs> The, the more he runs, like, one of his lowest-rated movies and, like, with the smallest box office is Valkyrie. I personally like the movie, but it wasn't, like, considered super great. He doesn't run at all in the movie. And then in Risky Business, he runs one to 500 feet, uh, and the box office for that was $300 million. And... If you go on Rotten Tomatoes, you can find this whole big long list. But the more he runs, the more a movie makes. In Mission Impossible Rogue Nation, he runs over a thousand feet on screen. That movie made half a billion dollars and got a 71%. I thought you were like totally shitting me right now. And I just googled Tom Cruise running. And there's like five things that come up right away. Yep. With the exact <laughs> title of what you're describing. No, it's it's true. The more he runs, the more a movie makes. This is... How did people figure this out? Who sat down and had the time to be like, Oh, I'm going to see how far Tom Cruise ran in this movie. I wish people, I had time to do that. You do have time to do that. Yeah, well, I'm just a lazy bastard. That's speaking of Speaking of doing stuff, how's... Uh, How's your stats project going? Oh, God. I've been dragging my feet on that because I sat down to do that like twice since we talked about it. And I sit down for maybe like 10 minutes. And after I like copy over the information from the website as a CSV, paste it into Excel, do all the formatting, clean all the data, get rid of all the blanks and stuff. I'm just too tired to do any more. It takes like 30 minutes to do each one. And this is for one position that I still haven't even done, so it's going really slowly. 30 minutes isn't too bad. How do you clean the data? Do you use, like, R or something? No, I literally just go right into Excel, and I sort and filter everything in, like, a table. You should not do that by hand. Yeah. I will change your life better, and I will give you a very marketable skill. Learn to use Python. Super easy to do. I've recommended you do it before. It has libraries. It has libraries that can do anything data science related that you want to, and they can generate plots and graphs. I think it's easier and more readable and just makes more sense than R. Would strongly recommend. Plus, I think that would be a a big standout on your resume. All right. Maybe you'll get me to do it then. Because if it's going to help with this, maybe I actually will do it. Also, if you learn it, 
you can also potentially have like a wider range of like positions also you can just do more stuff because like you don't have to only use it for stats you can use it as like a normal programming language and you can also use it to just like automate pretty much anything on a computer okay well maybe i'll do that then i'm still having a really hard time like deciding like which stats i want to use for each position Mm -hmm. because i didn't really realize that there was advanced stats for the nfl and I just started like looking at these recently. I'm looking at them right now that we brought it up. What are advanced stats? Well, so you have like when you think of football, like what stats do you think of? Like let's say for a quarterback, what stats do you think of? Um average uh yards in the air, average yards on the ground, just in general average yards per play, uh passing, completion percentage, touchdowns per season, that kind of stuff. Yeah, so everything you said was like, I don't want, I'm going to just say a normie stat just to make you feel bad. No. All right, thanks. <laughs> Those are just like black and white stats. Like, oh, he did this. He threw for this many touchdowns. He had Why they got to be black? Attempts. Why they got to be black? <laughs> but advanced stats for football, it's basically just like hyper specific for a situation. So, like, for football, I didn't even know they had this many for football. I usually do hockey advanced stats. But for football, they have – I'm on profootballreference.com right now for the 2018 season. And for advanced passing, they have three different categories. They have air yards, they have accuracy, and they have pressure. So just looking at air yards, you have your normal like games played, completions, attempts, yards. But then you have – Intended air yards, intended air yards per pass, completed air yards, completed air yards per completion, completed air yards per attempt, and then yards after catch per completion. So it's just a lot more specific to the scenario. So yes, this quarterback can throw for 5,000 yards, but how many yards did he actually like throw the football in the season that he intended to throw regardless of if he completed it or not yeah like like based on the play they called where was it expected to yeah yeah and then but my favorite one i think has to do with well they have pocket time which is really interesting because they always tell you how good the o-line is yeah well not like yeah to an extent but it also shows you pretty much does well, it also shows you, like, oh, do these offenses more or less run, like, quick slants? Do they like to run deep routes? Do they like to run play action? Do they roll out of the pocket? And on, when you're watching, like, a game, the the commentators, like, Chris Collinsworth just sucks Tom Brady's dick every game. He's like, oh, look at how fast he throws the ball. Look at how quickly it comes out of his fingertips. And then when you look at pocket time, yes, he throws uh-huh. it quickly, but it's not like a huge outlier compared to the other quarterbacks. Like his pocket uh, time is two and a half seconds. The highest is two point six. The lowest okay. is two point two. Sure. So sure. I guess you have to look at like attempts and stuff, obviously, because if I intended to throw a hundred passes, and my pocket time is like two seconds. No, no, if someone there's... threw six hundred passes. I, I get what you're saying. Seconds. There's there's kind of there's multiple explanations and they're all plausible for yeah. stats. See so you you are getting to a a pretty big, like a core issue in like stats and just like data science and stuff. 
And it's like, you can make a model as detailed or as not detailed as you want. And it will pretty much exclusively get like more accurate or become like a better predictor the more you add. But there's, it's impossible to really account for everything. Like it would be very difficult to accurately use all of these stats. Yeah. Which is why, which, which is why you, you got to start at just like a very base level with something really simple. And then you slowly build upon it. You can't just immediately try to like, like you can't immediately just go for everything. Yeah, that's true. It is fun to just look at these though and see how much there is that I didn't know about. Like there's one, this is going to be, I'm going to ask you this because you're going to be surprised by this. I was surprised by this just looking at it. So there's a stat called bad percentage for quarterbacks under accuracy, percentage of poor throws per pass attempt. Now, we watch the Bears Wait, a lot. Percentage of poor throws per pass attempt. So it's like if they had an open target and they get a good release, like how like badly do they miss pretty much? Yeah, just basically wildly inaccurate. Mm-hmm. So we watch a lot of the Bears, right? You watch <laughs> a lot of Mitch Trubisky. We're gonna say you're gonna tell me Mitch Trubisky has a like a good version of that stat so he has basically like a super he doesn't miss a lot when he has no, like a good I, clean release he, he has one of the worst oh he does but there are some surprising names that are worse ooh, than Mr. Trubisky. can i try to guess some yeah, sure he's six so all there, right there's five quarterbacks that have a higher bad throw percentage than right. Mr. Trubisky. i got a I'm gonna th- okay. I'm gonna throw out like three or four guesses. I want you to just tell me. How- One. I'm gonna throw out Jameis Winston. No, he's middle of the pack. All right. Considering he's blind, which Next aggravates one. the hell out of me. But. <laughs> Next one. Um. Cam Newton. Mm, no, he's one of the better ones. Russell Wilson. No, he's one of the better ones too. I want to. I want to throw out one more guess. I. Hmm. Do you want me to give you a hint for this last guess? Uh, I'm gonna say Deshaun Watson for my last guess. He is dead middle. Dang. So I pretty much exclusively threw out middle of the pack people. Yeah. Well, besides Cam Newton. Cam Newton is seventh best. What? Yes. I mean, some of the names you could guess that are the best. Like Drew Brees, Philip well, Rivers. That, that, that's the thing. I wasn't going to throw out like people like that who I expected to be great. But our, arguably the greatest quarterback of all time, Tom Brady, has a higher bad throw percentage than Mitch Trubisky. And so does Aaron Rodgers. Wow. Right. Aaron Rodgers <laughs> by a full percentage. So I don't know if this is just a bad stat. I think it, I think it is. I, that seems like a very hard stat to measure and measure accurately. And I also don't know if it has like a ton of significance. Yeah, because I don't know if this takes into account like how – like if, if you're under a lot of pressure or – if you just have to like chuck it away so you don't get sacked. Yeah, no, or exactly. Or if you're just playing exactly. against insanely good defenses every week. 
Mm-hmm. So that's the thing about th- pretty this much is all the dilemma these stats. I have about all these what stats to have a lot of variability. Yeah, I would say the big thing you should include is just like the easy to use concrete stats, like because you you could argue how badly they miss on misses doesn't really matter if you include like passing attempts, like they're basically just accuracy in general or like their completion rate. Yeah, that would like. That like completion rate would be more useful than the stat you already have because you don't really yeah. care how badly they miss. If you had that, if you had interceptions, and then if you have like yards per play or something like that, and if you get like average like plays per game or whatever, that probably is like a solid amount to even get like a base estimate of how good a QB is. Obviously, it doesn't work for like every scheme because I mean, look, we see like Tom Brady who, like, really doesn't put up that great of stats, like, on an individual game because the Patriots mm-hmm. are a very run-heavy team. But, like, clearly, he's an awesome QB. Oh, yeah. Well, they do a lot of quick passes, too. Like, Chris mm-hmm. Collinsworth is right when he says, oh, Tom Brady released the pass in, like, a second. Well, yeah, that's how their do, offense. That's how the Tom Saints Brady have become. Really chuck it down the field. Under Alvin Kamara, the Saints really don't have much of a long game anymore. Like, they can when it matters, but they really don't. It's a lot of, like, quick passes. Well, let me let me consult this little spreadsheet here. Oh, and see boy. Drew Brees's, uh Completed air yards per completion, just for You're, kicks. Well, I was gonna say, look at like recent seasons though, because their this offense is has changed. Okay, this is twenty eighteen. Their offense has changed considerably. What was Alvin Kamara? Twenty eighteen was two years ago. This let me see if I let me do twenty nineteen. Yeah. Because I think Alvin Kamara had kind of a yeah. Look, year. Oh no, I I have the I have like the the spreadsheet up by years. I'm going to read you his total yards per season over the past, like, four years. 2016, he threw 5,000 yards. 2017, Mm -hmm. he threw 4,300. 2019, he threw under 4,000. 2019, he threw under 3,000. So his his yards per season have basically gone down by, like, 700 to 1,000 every season, pretty much, for the past, like, three seasons. Yeah, and it does have a lot to do with the backs because they've he had, totally he has changed the lowest, their scheme. They've totally changed their scheme. They're not like chucking downfield anymore. He has anymore. the lowest intended air yards per attempt. Yeah, and you think that's crazy when you think about Drew Brees. Yeah. You're like, oh, he's got an arm. He's super accurate. But I mean, you got You got to play with what you got. That's right, and I mean, the team has gotten a lot better too since they added Alvin Kamara and when they used to have Mark Ingram. That was a uh, their defense used to be terrible. Their offense used to be all Drew Brees. And now they're a pretty well-balanced team. They're probably one of the most balanced teams that come to mind. They can't win a Super Bowl, though. <laughs> oh, my God. Saints Saints fans in general just bother me so much. Like, oh, we couldn't win the game, but we're going to blame this this time. Oh, we didn't win this game. What can we blame now? Oh, we didn't win this game. Who can we blame now? Like, granted, I know... There's been some bad penalties. There's bad penalties every game. Consistently, every game, there's bad penalties called. Oh, yeah. So you cannot just say, oh, well, this is the reason we lost. Well, not really. When you have one of the best quarterbacks ever, that's not an excuse anymore. I don't want want to talk about sports for too much longer. No, I understand. It's been very one track. But before we change topics and pivot, I, I do want to ask something. <laughs> Has the Excuse NFL decided me. 
what they're going to do about Miles Garrett yet. I feel like that was a big deal, and I then it just kind of went away, him. and then I never really heard anything. I know he got suspended for the rest of the season. I think he got reinstated. I, did he? Because I thought it was an yeah. indefinite suspension. It was, but I think after the season ended, they just said he can come back. That's crazy. If you did that in real life, you could end up in prison. But then oh, you do it on a football field, and it miraculously becomes okay. Yeah, he got reinstated in February. That's ridiculous. He should at least miss a season. Well, sports justice, I guess is what I'll call it, is very <laughs> inconsistent. You could watch, like, any sport. Well, I don't know, like, baseball, not really, because what are you going to find someone for in baseball? I don't watch much baseball, though, so I, think I can't feed it. Boring. But, like, heavily physical sports, like football and hockey, when you look at, like, suspensions handed out, they are wildly inconsistent for the same event. It's unbelievable <laughs> how inconsistent they are. It's no, like you it's, just flip the coin. And you're like, oh, this is how many games you're going to get. I mean, but that that's heavily dependent on, like, the environment, or, like, the situation happening, you know? It's like if you just like, – if, if somebody off the field went up and attacked another player, they probably wouldn't just be suspended, although I guess you don't really know. But if they did it on the field, then, like, there's going to be no off-field repercussions, really. Yeah, that's fair. I could see that. I don't it, know how it's you almost really, like That's an interesting out. debate, it's though. It's almost like when you're in a football stadium or, like, when you're on the field, it's almost like it – it's almost like it, you are in a different country. It's like it has its own set of laws that kind of governs what happens because I'm sure some of the stuff that happens – if, like, the police wanted to, they could probably go arrest him for assault, and they could try to prosecute. But it it never happens. Well, yeah, if you just walk, if we were on the street, and you just, like, hit me in the head with, like, a hammer or something. I was thinking the same you, thing. If you, you took would go to if jail you just for quite a while. bashed somebody in the head, yeah, that's a huge <laughs> deal. But Miles Garrett gets, like, what, four or five games? And it's like, yeah, yeah. You can come back now. All right. You've served your time. We're going to move on to a new topic now. I just, I had to discuss that. I want to know what you think about this. The fact. So it's an old tradition in our country, right? When. Are you going to talk about Memorial Day? No. Okay. When a new president is elected, right? Oh, okay. A portrait of the old president gets hung in the White House. And it's done as a sign of respect and a sign of honor by the incoming president. Mm-hmm. Trump's not hanging Obama's portrait. Oh, he's not? Nope, he refused to hang it up. I'm going to Google this while you're talking it's, about it. It's been painted. It's just he refuses to have basically like a ceremony to hang it up. I think he's refusing to have it put up in general. Oh, here we go. Four days ago on CNN. Trump unlikely to unveil Obama's White House portrait. So is this like the first time that this has happened? Like a president no ma- has refused? No matter who the president has been. I mean, obviously you have difficulty with getting like historic accounts when you go back far enough. But mm-hmm. essentially, no president has ever said no. See, I know how much they hate each other. Like, that's pretty well documented, how much they hate each other, but... Is it well documented, though? I think it is. 
I think it's been documented well on one side of the issue, maybe. What do you mean? What, like, like, Trump is vocal Trump's about Obama's not liking side? Obama, but Obama's been, like, pretty professional and hasn't really, like, said... Like, he's been very quiet. He hasn't really made a lot of statements he's since he left very office subtle. about anything. Even when he was in office, he really didn't say too much about, like, the 2016 election. I think he endorsed Hillary, but... He never, like, actively went out of his way to attack Trump or say he's, like, an awful choice for president. Yeah, he hasn't been specific. You're right. But I think it's it's pretty hard to say they don't both hate each other. Just just look up. There's a picture I think of right now when I think about Obama and Trump. It's this picture of them. I just found it right now. They're sitting in a room in the White House shaking hands, and they're, the two faces they have – they look like the two most uh, disgusted people I, on the planet. I, I do see this picture. I googled Obama it? Trump, and it's the second thing that comes up. It's like a yeah. Business Insider article. Yes. <laughs> yes. If that is not the look of two people who hate each other. Yes, but I don't know what it is. But I agree. This is it's very. It's it's very symbolic of the divide between our country. It's not yes. a matter. Of politics, but it's it's veiled as a matter of politics. It's people who just don't like each other, mm-hmm. and they don't like each other because of stupid reasons. And and it's it's all veiled as like politics and like party things. Well, it it really is a disgusting state right now. Yeah. Well, Trump has a pretty big ego too. I think that's pretty obvious. So I oh, think yeah. when, when he hears Obama take these, like, subtle jabs at, like, the people running the country or, like, the Democrats take, like, subtle or not-so-subtle jabs about the people running the country, he takes that very personally. Like, other presidents would be like, ah, bah, who cares? What when do you consider that- a subtle jab? Because I know Trump has been upset at, like, what, what do you consider a subtle jab? Because... Um, like, would you say the New York Times printing the name of everybody who's died of the coronavirus is a subtle jab at Trump? I was more thinking about when Obama delivered the uh, the commencement speech on TV. When was that, like a week or two ago? I don't remember if that was – I think all the news stations actually aired that. I think Fox aired that. I think CNN aired that. Obama said something like – I don't remember the specific words he said, but he basically implied that the leaders of the country are complete idiots by what he said. And I have no problem with him saying that. Mm-hmm. I'm not defending anyone here, but I feel like it's pretty obvious what he meant when he said that. And I mean, there's a lot of decisions that have been made during this that were pretty questionable or pretty dumb. Mm-hmm. So he's not wrong when he says that. But when he says that, I just the way... Trump reacts to things he I can imagine if he's sitting there watching that if he even watched it he probably was like instantly enraged and he was like oh how can I get back on Twitter immediately right now (laughs) but no okay so going back to the thing I brought up the New York Times they printed an uh an issue and it was I think it was maybe the front cover maybe the entire thing it was just the names of every single documented person in the U.S. who's died of COVID okay is that a jab at Trump? I think it. Do you want to give my personal opinion, or do I you do. want me to give like? I do. Just, All just right. 
pour your heart and your soul All out. Right. Because I I have kind of a meta comment on the whole statement. All right. Make. Okay. So I my political bias has shifted a lot the past couple of years. Like I would say like maybe six or seven years ago, I was firmly one party. Mm-hmm. But then I've slowly moved towards the middle. And I, I, in the past election, I voted opposite to what I used to believe in. So my beliefs have shifted a lot over the past seven or eight years. So I consider myself pretty moderate now. But just looking at the way, like, the media covers Trump and the way that, I'm not going to say they attack him or antagonize him. But they have a pretty negative opinion of the president, I believe, which is... Here's the thing, though. Anytime anything even vaguely critical... Like, it's... Like, look at how much Obama was criticized in office. Oh, I know. I don't Every single thing that comes up, Trump, like, freaks out, lashes out, gets super upset. He'll throw tantrums. And it's like, it's every little thing will do that. But no, I think... Me even asking the question of if it's a subtle jab at him or not, it just shows how everything in our country has become so just, like, Trump-focused. And I I hate it. It's like a mindset that we're genuinely just stuck in. It's like, I can't look at this issue and be like, oh, that's so sad. Look at how many people have died. It immediately becomes, oh, it's like, it's a political issue because it's like these people died under his administration. Like, just everything has become so wrapped up and entangled in it. I no, think you're completely right. We need we need a new political party. We need we need the neo federalist party. That's what we need. <laughs> we need to reestablish. We need a new constitution. Honestly, I think we oh, do. Oh jeez. No, I don't I, know if we need to go that far. I but. genuinely think we do. I think we need a constitution that ensures basic human rights and. Then we can worry about progressive versus, like, conservative ideals. We can argue those issues once everybody has an acceptable quality of life. Then we can debate nitty-gritty, and then we can decide where to go forward. But, like... When you talk, when you talk about, like... Hear, hear, when you go back hear to me the question about the article... Okay, go ahead. Let, let, me, let me explain where I'm coming from with this. Okay. That's fine. Look at all the heat in our – like, I'm going to give a couple examples. Think about how hot of an issue the Second Amendment is. Same with the First Amendment. Like, you've got the Patriot Act in here, which just got renewed. You've got the Erna Act, uh, which is expected to pass, which will remove end-to-end encryption so that the government can basically spy on you more. You've got you've got people, go, like, freaking out about the Second Amendment and how they have a right to own guns. But – but then it's not insured anywhere that you will have a place to live or you will have food or you will have water. That's like – that's considered the government going above and beyond. But why is it more important that I should have a gun or the right to say whatever I want to if I can't even eat food or if I can't get health care when I'm sick? No, that's a very valid argument. They're, they're just – not a lot of people 
we have become more connected and there's a lot of issues that are prevalent and do exist and have existed for a long time like i'm not going to say the world has gotten worse but i'm not going to say it's gotten better there's been like inequality and hunger and poverty and all this stuff going back even as far as the founding fathers but like look at the founding fathers healthcare was like a new field at the time you cannot anticipate how things will change in the future so to to cling so desperately to this piece of paper that was written by a group of wealthy white landowners 200 plus years ago it it seems absurd i mean obviously i think it lays a solid groundwork for what a government should do but it the government it creates has become this twisted, warped, corrupt entity on both sides. You can't even just blame one thing. But it's like, and then you see what happens. Like Trump isn't, Trump isn't the cause of the corruption and the shitty political system. He is, he is a symptom of it. He is an outcome of it because this thing we have clearly doesn't work anymore. And at some point, you need to just realize that. Like, look at, look at the election now. Personally, and I mean, you know this, but I was a, a big Bernie fan because he stands mm-hmm. for like a lot of human rights and just basic things people need to survive and have a quality of life that so many of those things he talked about are considered political issues. It's considered a political issue that you should be able to eat food and not starve to death or you should be able to go to the hospital and not die because you can't pay a bill. Those are considered political issues, not like human rights. No, I agree. They are, and it's kind of sad that they are. But that because of the, the mindset our country's in, because we're working in this outdated system that can't handle these things that we needed to. All right, I'm gonna respond to as much of that as I can. I don't, I don't know if I'm gonna be able to respond to all of it, but I do agree with the majority of what you said. When when you talk about the Constitution. I feel like the Founding Fathers definitely did not anticipate that this would be like a completely unchanged document for the rest of time. And this is the only rules you would follow and you never need to amend it or anything. Exactly. So I agree with you that there needs to be some some updates or modifications to it because th- so many things that we have today didn't exist when the exactly. constitution was written or they weren't never, even like an idea when they never saw technology and weaponry becoming as destructive as it is which is why the second amendment existed like if one person had a rifle you couldn't really go on a killing spree back then because it took five minutes to reload <laughs> now yeah. it's like you have the right to bear arms what's considered an arm like should I, because the government has nuclear warheads should i be able to have one because they do it's like it's it's like there's almost this sense that like we need it because the government may try to take away our rights or whatever but at the end of the day like they really will still have technology beyond what we do and i mean all their power comes from us we don't even necessarily need a violent revolution but just if there's like this horrible state of inequality just like look at like peaceful protests look at how successful those have been like sometimes the military will come in and things will get like gross and messy but if eventually things are bad enough enough people will sway and realize how shitty it is to where they'll want to fix it the issue is when 
51% is happy and 49% isn't. That's when we have an issue. Or in our country, when like 2%'s happy, but they just have the wealth and the influence and everything they need to control everything and like hide and like mask it and make it seem like everything's okay. Well, going back to the protests, did you ever see any of the the protests in Michigan, like in Lansing or anything? Uh, oh, I did you ever yeah. see pictures from it or anything? I I did. I I know all about those. I'm I'm real. Well, I don't know if I'm surprised or not. I like when I first saw it. I'm really surprised that there was not like police or the national guard there when you have people no, with like it, tactical it's vests. It's outrageous. And it's outrageous. Rifles. The fact that they were and able you to literally like go Hannity into the Capitol that you building. You don't need to do that then you know it's bad. They were literally going into the Capitol building. If that happened in most states or in most other places in the world, there would be police. All those people would be arrested instantly. But it becomes somehow this issue of, oh, I have the right to own a gun. And it, it, it's all, again, it's like a symptom of our system. It's a sign of the bigger problem because we really don't live in a democracy anymore. It really is an autocracy it doesn't matter who's in power it could be a democrat or a republican or conservative or libertarian in power but there's just like there's people who have money and power and influence and they really do control everything from behind the scenes yeah that's right it, it really doesn't matter who's in power because when the regimes change like along party lines. Like we had Obama for eight years. He's a Democrat. Then we have Trump for four years, potentially four more years, depending on what happened. He's a, uh, he, he's I mean, a he's a Republican, but he's really not even And a he just on, well, everything that gets done in the previous administration either gets undone or they react to try Here's to the like, thing though. It gets everything. done or it gets undone or redone, but Amazon stock continues to hit new highs it doesn't matter who's in power jeff bezos is still making billions of dollars every month okay well i want to ask you this now because i think this would be kind of an interesting like talking point mm-hmm. i i don't know if you watch much joe rogan like the his uh, podcast i've never really seen any of it okay i watch those kind of a lot and i think they're really good personally i have talked to some people who think they suck and he's bad at questioning people but i think they're just like good conversations between two people like kind of like what we're having like like right right i can't talk you don't have a conversation like we're having right this is a podcast talking isn't important (laughs) i had like a spaz attack there (laughs) it's just two as a conversation between two people and he was talking to elon musk like a week or two ago and elon musk was talking about how there's this like stigma against the wealthy now like if you're a billionaire or a millionaire you're viewed as like evil because you have money so i want to ask you like i know you i know you're a bernie supporter no no no, so i know where your mind lies you say i'm a bernie supporter i just i really just think you shouldn't starve or die or be sick if you don't have to i i don't care how much money one person has as long as there are like everyone has human rights but so, okay, you just said that Elon Musk went on and he made the statement that there is a thing that if you're like a billionaire or millionaire, you're like discriminated against almost. Mm-hmm. There's a show called Silicon Valley, okay? 
comedy series on HBO. Very funny. There is a scene in it, and it this is a clearly satirical scene, and it, it's okay. very funny. Where one of these guys, so there's this company Huli, and they essentially represent like Google or Apple or like big tech conglomerates, right? Okay. The CEO is this guy named Gavin Belson. He started it. He's billionaire, super uber ultra like wealthy dude, super influential. He's on a TV show. And he starts talking about the stigma against billionaires. And he says the treatment of billionaires in America, they're treated like the Jews were in Nazi Germany. Wow. Obviously, it's satirical. But what Elon Musk did is essentially in the same vein. He's like, he, see, Elon Musk, I feel like there's this misconception that he's a super great dude. He really isn't a very good dude. Like, there are a lot of shady things that go on at, like, Tesla and SpaceX. Sure, they produce amazing innovations, but, like, it's, there's a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes that isn't good. Like, people are overworked, you're fired very easily. Like, it's not good conditions. No, I agree. I completely agree. But I just want to ask, okay, do you think I, there's a problem if, I, you were, if you are a millionaire or a billionaire, do you view that as, like, a bad thing if there are people that are that way? Or do you just think that that's, like, a product of having so much money that you just turn into some, like, complete, no, no, like, no, out-of-touch person? Because I feel like when you look at, like, Hollywood or just, like, rich yeah. people in general, they do kind of, like, lose touch with – see the rest of the world and they they put themselves on a but, pedestal but it, it depends though Be, so okay you're kind of talking about two different issues so i'm going to address the first one of like okay. is there just an amount of money that's not okay to have i i don't care what the label is on it millionaire billionaire whatever if everybody has enough to get by and people are like okay and have the opportunity to like better themselves and like learn more and like do things as long as people aren't limited as long as people aren't limited because of the distribution of money among society that's fine mm -hmm. that's fine with me uh, you okay. could there could be millionaires there could be billionaires there could be trillionaires but as long as people have as long as mostly everybody has like what they need to get by and function like I don't care if Elon Musk has a trillion dollars or if Jeff Bezos has a trillion dollars. As long as I have the option to say go to college, even if I'm not born like into a wealthy family or anything, as long as I can go to college, I can like make kind of my own way in the world. I could potentially be successful if I go about things properly and maybe if I get a little bit lucky. As long as that happens and is a possibility, I'm okay with that. I I'm genuinely fine with that. Now However, the thing with our system is that that's not the case. There is, like, there's, like, if you look at the income distribution in the U.S. and, like, wealth inequality, not even just the U.S., but the world as a whole, there's so many starving and hungry and, like, people who just are in this, like, the dregs of poverty and just the worst possible living conditions. And then, again, you'll see this crazy story, like, headline about how Jeff Bezos is now $20 billion richer and obviously that's like a little bit misleading because that's based on like stock value and assets and everything but no yeah. it's it's a problem when it's to that scale 
And, I mean, there's obviously other core issues behind, like, why this distribution is a problem. Like, companies hide, hide money, they don't pay taxes, all that stuff. Which is, I mean, that's a different issue. That's a lot more difficult to solve. But no, I, I don't really care how much money you have as long as it doesn't hinder somebody else because you have so much. That's that's my premise behind this whole thing. Okay. Now, as far as money making you an asshole or a bad person, I think, I think it depends a lot. Because look at Tim Cook. I think Tim Cook is for the most part a pretty level-headed dude he's not in the media a lot he's not super outspoken but i'm pretty sure he's a billionaire i mean he's a ceo of apple i would expect it he is a billionaire I just yeah but he's he doesn't make outrageous statements he genuinely seems like a good dude he's not like he doesn't live this crazy drama filled public life and i think that is a good case for the fact that just having the money doesn't necessarily make you a crazy person. However, now if we look at Elon Musk, Elon Musk was born into a really wealthy family. So was Trump. A lot of billionaires are basically just because of inheritance. And in those people, we oftentimes tend to see like multiple generations of wealth. That's kind of when people get really out of control and lose their minds. But I mean, just like in running a business, like think about it. You start a business. When you first start a business, you're struggling. You're like fighting to survive. Like you're working as hard as you can to keep it afloat. And then eventually you get to the point where you start expanding and expanding and maybe you acquire another company or you like merge or whatever. And then things get to this scale where just the scope of even small issues because of the size of the business, the repercussions are enormous. And all the repercussions might not even be blatantly apparent, but it's just, it's like this creeping like scale that just things become more and more serious and more intense. And again, it might not even be obvious all the time, but that I'm kind of losing my train of thought now, but no, like that, like creep is, I think a lot of the times will kind of be, can, or can be like a, good instigator for why like billionaires and people like that do kind of maybe view issues like the way elon musk put it where they're almost like bullied because they will still see issues the same they were when they maybe started out their business but when things get to a certain scale that's just not the case anymore it's like the reality around you changes okay but I, you're, still, you're, still, you're still seeing it as your business, and it's still, like, that business you started out of your garage or whatever. But if it's worth a billion dollars now, you doing something that maybe would have been okay for a small company could potentially be awful now. Okay. I, I think that was a good argument you made. There's a lot of good points and a lot of things that I can agree with that you said. And I think that the the income gap kind of gets heightened during, like, what we're in right now when you see so many like smaller businesses failing and people going hungrier at larger rates than ever exactly it's like so the, high. Money, and, the money supply isn't disappearing it's not changing it's not like it's not like it's going to some some like other planet or something it's not disappearing it's yeah it's just the distribution is changing and the, in these cases the places it's going is to the wealthy people. 
Yeah, and it's when it goes to them, it, it just like for the most part, it just sits there. Like it doesn't contribute to anything. It doesn't get invested into anything productive that millions of people or thousands of people can enjoy. Exactly. It, it just kind of like exactly. sits. And it, that's so disheartening like, to see when all these businesses are failing right now. And there's all these people that have accumulated all this wealth. And they're just sitting there like, oh, darn. The country's failing. At least I'm fine. It's well, so dra- many people it's are. It's dragons fine. sitting on mountains of gold. That's really yeah, what it is. is at the end of the day. And, again, like, I think it's okay to be a billionaire. But why Why do you need $20 billion instead of two? You know? It's both cases, it's an absurd amount of money. But, like, are you really, like, are you going to complain about your, your horrible lifestyle because you only have $2 billion, you know? But, and th- this is why <laughs> yeah. it's, and again, things are so, like, just entangled and complex that it, it like, when you bring up, like, a wealth tax, like, like the uh, Warren's tax, like the above 70% wealth tax. Mm-hmm. A lot of people were against it because they're like, oh, I don't want to get taxed at 70%. But then it becomes an issue of education because they just don't understand how tax brackets work. Sean Hannity, I think, made some statement the other day about the, the wealth tax and how it was absurd that people would have to pay uh, 70% income. And it's like, no, that only happens if you make like over $20 million a year. Uh, well, Sean Hannity says a lot of things, so I don't know. How, it, take take it with a grain of salt. Here's the thing: he you say take it with a grain of salt, but if you're uneducated and you you watch Fox News and you see him saying that, you you're not educated enough to know not to trust him or to believe him. It, again, it's, it just shows how entangled all these issues are. It's like there's like somebody's uneducated or doesn't know what they're talking about and they spew something and they say something but if they have a big following then there's just this snowball effect and all these all these again repercussions all these ripples from it that affect so many other things that that's what that's why i think we need a new system like we need to just get to a point like Okay, we're gonna wipe out. We're gonna like reestablish our country. You know, like we're gonna we're gonna change our flag. We're going to get rid of states. We're going to wipe out all debts. We're gonna write a new constitution. We're just gonna start from the ground up. I don't know how many people you get to support that. Oh, I'm I sure really none. Don't. I'm sure I'm a crackpot for saying that, but <laughs> it, but it just shows. I don't think like, I could support that without just like kind of starting fresh. It's. It's hard to solve a lot of these issues. It's like it's like untangling headphones, but imagine if the headphones were you know how they get they're in your pocket and they get all tangled up? It's that, but it like a scale like trillions of times larger. It's like imagine if you had 10 kilometer headphones mm-hmm. like in terms of length and that entire thing got tangled, you physically could not untangle it. Well, talking about more along I don't know, getting entangled, but more back along about political parties and stuff. I think that there's going to be like a significant split in the Democratic Party pretty soon. I think there's going to be like a new third party pretty soon. Like not the Green Party or wh- whatever other parties there. Like the, a significant third party. A that new Bullmoose Party? <laughs> <laughs> Just like a progressive party or something. Because look at all the Democratic candidates that have moved. Or not just candidates, like just Democrats in general that have moved to a more progressive view. 
Well, and they're starting to get into this conflict. It's, with, it's like, not even progressive. It's not what even is- progressive. It's become like a populist view. It's like, do you support the people or do you just pretend to support the people? Yeah, that's that's a good way of putting it too. Yeah, because that no that that's really what it is. It's like it, the Democratic Party will go to no lengths to screw Bernie out of the election because they really don't want the system to change because they also benefit from it. So, but they pretend to seem progressive, but in reality, they might do a little bit, but they're not going to change much. They're basically the status quo party, whereas the Republicans are the undo everything the Democrats did and maybe be a little bit more selfish in the progress. Well, what do you think is going to happen with the election? Like, first, do you think Joe Biden's going to be the nominee, first of all? Yeah, no question. You do? No question? No question at all? No question. Okay. He's gonna he's gonna be the Democratic nominee. I don't see so how then, how else it could happen. Who do you think? Who do you see winning the election? I hate this question because I don't like either outcome. I well, really don't. I don't either. But I want to know what you think. I just want to know who you think is gonna win because I have my answer, but I don't know what your answer. I is. have this really bad gut feeling Trump is gonna win again. I think I think a lot of people are very upset with all the things he's done. But it's the same old story time and time again. There's all these people who are generally repulsed. They want to vomit when they hear about all the horrible, stupid or sexist or racist things Trump says or does or whatever. And they they make this whole big deal about it and they get super upset. But they're not going to go vote. And then Trump's super vocal minority is going to go vote. And they're going to be like, we have to fuck the liberals because they made fun of Trump or whatever. And so those people are going to they're going to have the majority and they're going to vote. And Trump will probably get elected again. I I think he'll get elected again, too. I agree with you. I I think it's it's a a sad reality. Well, I I made this comment before. This just reminds me it's like dumb and dumber. Like, you can say whoever's dumb and whoever's dumber, but this is dumb and dumber. Every day, I watch the news, and it's like, oh, Trump can't say anything stupid today, and he says something even stupider than he said yesterday. And then it's the same thing with Joe Biden. Oh, he can't say anything stupider or do anything dumber. genuinely has dementia. Trump most likely does as well, but, like, he also, I think, to some extent, like— there's, see, Trump is, like, new to the political landscape and has always kind of had this, like, big, loud, boisterous personality and very much kind of always been the same person. So he may have got, like, deteriorated a little bit if he does have, like, dementia or some kind of genuine, like, health issue. But, mm-hmm. I mean, Joe Biden has been in the public spotlight for so long that you can literally watch him deteriorate. You can see some of the things he says and, like, you can see him in interviews. He is genuinely not a mentally stable man. Now, granted... I think with, like, proper advisors, I think he's, like, at a base level, a little more reined in and controlled as a person. But, like, you put both of them up on stage, and if, like, Trump starts going and attacking Joe Biden, Trump's base will love that and will eat it up, but Biden will crumble. That's what, like, I would have loved to see Bernie Sanders in a genuine debate with Donald Trump on a stage. I think think that would be enough to actually dissuade a significant margin of the country because trump is this like this almost infantile just like rage and this just spewing stream of consciousness whereas bernie is like this like 
hardened, like devoted, long time, genuine passion and like want to help everybody. And I don't think Joe Biden necessarily has that. I think Joe Biden ran for president because the DNC said, hey, you're an electable candidate. The fact that Joe Biden is going to be the Democratic nominee is I I feel like it should be disheartening if you're a Democrat, unless you're the establishment. He has flip flopped on his positions so many times in the past, what, 40 Mm -hmm. or 50 years. He's I don't even know how he's a likable candidate. He's just so boring and silly. And Trump is definitely no better. Everybody, everybody knows that it's like it's like a sock puppet running against like a four year old. It's it is. Somebody else is controlling everything Biden does from the shadows, and because of that, he's maybe a little bit, like, he is maybe a little bit electable in that sense. Because, like, now, again, I don't, like, he, his policies and a lot of the things he said, I'm not a fan of, but if you've mm-hmm. been listening to, like, recent news, there is, like, this gradual, almost easement where... A lot of statements have been released saying, like, he does have plans to do certain things. Like, I think it was announced he has, like, certain environmental protection plans. And he does have, like, certain thoughts about um, – what is it? I think he announced he was going to adopt some small portion of Bernie's pl- plan. And okay, I think those are steps in the right direction. But also knowing the Democratic Party in America, that could be blind promises that won't lead anywhere. I, I would – I would agree with the second part of what you said. It's blind, it's blind promises to get people to vote for Joe. Biden. I am a little like, if bit. If you ex- like Joe Biden, that is completely fine. You I, are allowed to like whoever you want, but I think personally, I'm a little bit excited maybe for the next election because Trump literally can't run again. He could maybe try to, but I'd like to believe that wouldn't be allowed to happen. No, it won't happen. Can um, you run again if you change parties or no? Well, it's not about party. It's just it's about It's just term. about you as the person? Yeah. Okay. I wasn't now, sure. and again, I, I, so I think we're kind of safe. And I, I mean, I'm sure the, the GOP or the, the Republicans or whatever you want to call them, the Tea Party, I'm sure they'll throw up another candidate who's not great. But uh, I think, I think uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, I think she's going to run in the next election. I think she's a really promising candidate. Because she is just like a political like powerhouse, and I think she has a lot of support. Well, she is very good at speaking too. I which mean, is something that she, Joe thing. Biden certainly she, well, isn't. She's like Bernie, but like of our generation. But she's like maybe a little better at like splitting ground and being even like you can see like in all these like. Look at all the impeachment stuff and even just all the trials and hearings and everything. You can see just, like, she asks solid, concrete, to-the-point questioning lines, no hidden motives, hidden agendas, and will just, like, she will, like, get results easily. And it's not like she'll, like, wheel and deal to do it. Well, that's another thing, too, that I think people would find appealing about her is that she has a lot of very strong beliefs that are very obvious that it's clear if you are with her or you're against so it would be easy to support someone she, like that where when also, you have someone like joe biden who's just like she also has a done. like a great story she's like new to politics she was a bartender 
she went to college she like has pretty much worked hard for everything she has she's not this indentured long-term part of the system old guy i think she appeals she's also a female which i think appeals to a lot of people i think yeah i think hillary probably would have beaten most other candidates i think aoc will have that and she won't be going up against another donald trump hopefully yeah i don't really know how republicans would be able to i don't even know who they would put but my my big candidate. issue one of my biggest issues with the Republican Party, honestly, is I think well, if you're you're talking about who they're gonna put as a candidate, I wouldn't be surprised if they run Mitt Romney again. Since he's no kind way. of No, I, I could see it. No I see it. way. Yeah. I'll bet you like a steak dinner that that does not happen. A steak dinner? Yeah. I'm gonna take note of this. I'm gonna I'm gonna put this in my phone. I will absolutely make this wager with you. One okay. steak dinner. I think, I think Mitt Romney as a candidate is basically admitting defeat if you're the Republican Party. I don't that think is it is. That is the most uninspiring uh, choice. Let me, let me take a step back. I'm going to explain this, and I want to explain one other thing. Okay. So, AOC. She was a bartender, went to college, worked pretty much everything she has. She genuinely is a pull-yourself-up-by-your-bootstraps from the ground up story and then you see the gop and the republican party and the conservatives and fox news they will go and they'll bash her for being a bartender it's literally the thing they say they stand for pull yourself up by your bootstraps make your own way in life that's exactly what they claim to stand for and then they'll go and they'll attack somebody for doing that very same thing that shows just how like little integrity the party has I, I know it's – I'm sure I'm just a liberal hack, you know, spewing all this propaganda, but it's the truth at the end of the day. There, I'm not – the Democrats aren't much better, but you do – but, like, she is a standout individual. No way so around then what's your argument for member – I want to hear your argument for Mitt Romney. Okay. I know your argument for AOC. Yeah. I want to hear your argument for Rit Mo- Mitt Romney. <laughs> Rit Romney? <laughs> I cannot speak today. I don't know if it's because I had a little too much to drink or what, but my speech is slurred to high heaven today. Uh, hold on. Let me put – I'm putting this in my phone. Let's see. This would be 2024. Okay. Yes. So Mitt Romney did solidly against Obama. He did solidly, honestly. And I think after the Trump era kind of ends, I think there's going to be an egregious amount of backlash against conservatives and the Republican Party as a whole. And I think once they start losing power, we're going to really see that backlash start to actually come and formulate and repercussions because they can't use Trump as just a barrier against everything. They can't blame everything on him. They can try, but it won't work. Whereas Romney, I don't know if you've been follow- how close you've been following the news. Maybe a year ago, he kind of started slightly splitting from party. He hasn't necessarily – he was one of the few people in the impeachment trials who didn't vote along party lines. Okay. I he was – I that. think he was one of the few people who he voted to impeach Trump. Okay. Or like he was in favor of it. He's been a little bit outspoken, not tremendously, but he has made some statements that deviate slightly from the party. I think he's doing this to set himself up to be, oh, I'm not associated with these all these clearly corrupt individuals, but he can appeal to this conservative-focused America. 
And I think he's kind of a more, he almost seems more level-headed. He seems a touch above the rest, you know? He seems to stand out from the pack of this this group who really has had an awful showing in the past four years. Which is why I think he's poised as a candidate considering how well he did against Obama. And I mean, Obama got record turnouts at the polls, and it was still a close election. I think Mitt Romney is setting himself up I don't know if it was really that better. close, to be honest. I looked it up right now. I mean, electorally, it wasn't that close. Percentage-wise, I guess it was... It was within four percentage points. He didn't really win that many swing states, though. Yes, but that's the thing. He's... Okay, no, I... I so, I, yeah, I just looked it up as well. Obama got 51.1% per, of the popular yeah. vote, which means Romney had 489 That's pretty damn close. Well, no, because you have to account for, like, independence and stuff. He had 47.2 assess. Very close, though. Very close. And I think there's a lot of people who will be very hesitant, especially against, like, a young kind of un- – maybe not as, like, track like his good track record politician. I think he might stand out as a more reasonable, level-headed candidate. I think it, his campaign, honestly, might be kind of a let's return to normalcy after the the circus that has been these past four, maybe even eight years. So you're saying kind of like a Joe Biden campaign, a return to normalcy? Because I feel like that's kind of what he's... Well, Joe Biden's not a return to normalcy. Joe Biden's, right now, his thing is like... He is a status quo candidate, but that's not what he's being run as. It's being run as a... It's a... Like, let's quit embarrassing America campaign. I just don't... I, I, no, I, I understand I, your I, argument. I, just I don't see agree with him being a very kind of almost middle of the pack candidate. It's like he's maybe a little bit more uh, because he does say these things. He might be like if the party kind of does have like a downturn as a result of all these things that have happened, he will like he will kind of be a little bit of a standout person because it's either basically run somebody who has deviated a little bit and seems better or you run somebody who is clearly just part of the shit show and i don't think anybody should really vote for or you run somebody with no track record at all i honestly think they're just gonna run like an established part of the gop candidate i i can't imagine i can't imagine like mitch mcconnell running i can't imagine lindsey graham i i none of these people i don't see it i don't have a specific name but i i have the view of who i think would run like I think it would be a more established, like, status quo party line person and not someone who's more yeah. leaning towards the middle but away Mitt, from Mitt Romney is, like, pre-Trump status quo. Uh, Plus, I, he can he will have, like, the, the backing of, I was not entangled in a lot of that craziness. I tried to maybe stand up for the country or be outspoken against some of it. So that do you think – so if it does hypothetically come down to the two. Romney versus AOC. Yeah. I have a hard time – I don't know. This is difficult. I don't know who the independent vote would swing for in that case. I think it would be – A lot be, of the more libertarian people who don't want big government would swing would Romney. Romney. Yeah. Yeah. I think it would be close. Because AOC is going to have some heavy-handed environmental policies. That's why I see them going with a more, like, like AOC is north, 
the GOP candidate would be solid. Like I see them going as a more polar opposite to that instead of a more like, well, we can kind of agree on this, this, and this, but we definitely can't agree on this, this, and this. I see it more as like, we definitely can't agree on everything you're saying. And here's why. And it's, but I feel like it'd be more I think, of a I black Romney, and white election. I think Romney is that person. To agree more, to be more agreeable. Or yeah, to be I, more... I think, I think he's, the he's not obviously the polar opposite, but I think he is no, kind I, of yeah. opposite that will making maybe enough compromises to win more of like the swing voters. Because again, Obama won a lot of the swing states because he he was like a he's he had some pretty solid policies, but for the most part he was fairly moderate. He also had the huge African American vote. Yeah. That's one thing. I, AOC would have the Hispanic vote, that could be huge. That yeah. could be huge that could be fantastic that would probably be substantial tipping point have the female population have hispanic population and then also like true progressive people you get a solid turn on the polls i think it's a very hard combination to beat and that that gives me some hope i see but do you think the established democrats would support an aoc candidacy I think she's a little harder to kill off than Bernie because Bernie got kind of this bad name because he's been having the same view for so long and he's been so consistent. But people get more progressive over time, and back then it was like, oh, he's a communist or whatever, you know? Well, it still kind of is like that with a lot of people. But, but that doesn't re- – that, like, that – that, is like an image that has been established for him by other people over time. AOC doesn't really have that. She pretty much has a spotless track record. She hasn't been a part of any major like fuck ups. She hasn't like done anything that's been considered universally bad. She's pretty much just like a solid contender. And she's like she's a great orator. She can speak. Oh, like I completely no agree. She's a great speaker. She's got I a just, lot in her favor. I don't see a progressive candidate winning the Democratic nomination, barring a party split. That's my personal opinion. I could be completely wrong, but I just don't see that happening. Given what's happened with a majority of the candidates this upcoming election, I thought Joe Biden yeah. was like the worst possible candidate. No, no, could have I, I do see that, but I think a lot of the, I think a lot of the Democratic Party. Well, again, they may be very status quo and very like not actually progressive. And I mean, I obviously agree with that, but I I think AOC doesn't have the same stigma Bernie does, which is why it might be a little more palpable for kind of Democrats or certain people in the Democratic Party to swallow their pride and maybe be like, okay, I'm fine with her running. Uh, I wouldn't be. I, I guess we'll just have to wait and see then. I yeah. wish this was happening this election now. Yeah, I I'm trying to think who else could like feasibly run. I wouldn't see. I wouldn't maybe be too surprised if Buttigieg ran again. But I think after he dropped out, I think that's not a great sign. Yeah. I I hope I know I know who I would want to run again. And you I want know, Yang. You, know you want Andrew Yang. Yes. Yeah. I'm really disappointed. I I feel like the timing of coronavirus and him talking about ubi it was it's it's not really coincidental it's like something out of a movie 
I'm gonna, I'm like, gonna say this. This is something this. that he's so strongly advocated for, and this would be like the perfect Universal. time to have something like. That. Yes, but other than Universal Basic Income, I feel like Andrew Yang personally has done a lot of like backpedaling since the campaign since his campaign especially now that he works for cnn i think he's become a lot more of kind of the stereotypical democrat obviously he does still tout universal basic income as like a it's not his brainchild but like he no, was one of the not. people who he brought that to like the forefront and becoming like a big political talking point and that's fantastic and that's an incredible thing he did but i think he's kind of become more of almost a, a democratic shill just because it <sighs> i I, I think he's done a lot of backpedaling recently as far as, like, things well, he said and things he's done. When, when he endorsed Joe Biden after being such a strong Bernie supporter in 2016, I was really disappointed. Also, I, I mean, a lot of the stuff he's done, like, as CNN, he really has been stereotypical, like, Democratic playbook stuff, not a okay, true I, progressive. See, I don't watch much CNN or Fox anymore. But it's not even so. just watching that stuff. A lot, Even a lot of the stuff he's done, like, freelance, it's still, like, now that he's tied to it, he's been a lot more kind of middle ground. Uh, and that's maybe not making me, like, super hopeful for, like, him in the future. Well... There's still four years, I guess, so there's time for change. Exactly. There's lots of time for change. <laughs> All right. This has been going a long time. I actually think we kind of need to wrap this up. It's been an okay. hour and 20 minutes. That's <laughs> no, totally fine. I lost track, too. I know. I Well, I only know because my thing is recording, and I, I see this little output. You just want to be done with me. I know. You oh, no, me. absolutely not. I'm excited to do another <laughs> one of these. There's so many well, other things I, I, I want to talk about. Doing so many other things I want to talk about, but I know if I try to, this will go on for like four hours. And the thing I use to host my podcast currently can't handle four hour long podcasts. The files are too big. Well, I suppose we could just like end this one now. And if you wanted to like continue our conversation right after, we could just make that another episode. But if you don't want to do that, it's totally fine. It's just an idea. Let me wrap this if up. If you're like fired up. I, I am a little fired up, but here's the <laughs> thing is I feel like I'm kind of like, I'm not, I, all right, here, I'm going to, I'm going to end this and we can talk about this afterwards. So we'll okay. get this figured out. All right. Okay. Thank you for being my guest here again today for my, being oh, my returning my guest. You have been, guest. you've been fantastic. I love these conversations. I can't get enough of them. This is awesome. <laughs> I like them too. All right. I hope the people listening like them. I'm sure they do. And again, they can let us know being fed up podcast at gmail.com all right anybody listening i will see you all next time goodbye